Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The palace must have been above a buzz with feelings of sheer joy. From the palace kitchen to the servants' quarters up above, from the basement to the upper level, there must have been talk going on about what was about to happen. The king was going to have another child. The good news spread from the city vendors to the town merchants, from the shepherds in the field to the keepers of pigs in the pigsties. Everyone was surely filled with some kind of expectation about what this would be about. Well, the baby showers were pretty much finished. The midwives were put on a 24-7 notice. The day finally came, the moment arrived, and the queen gave birth to the king's baby, the third child. Everyone surely would have been happy. The whole nation must have felt the exact same joy that this king and queen felt. The face of the king must have turned from intense, intense anticipation to a broad smile. Another child. He must have yelled out the window to the people below It's a boy! It's a boy! It's my boy. The nation's people were probably overwhelmed. They must have danced in the street and sung in the synagogue. They were celebrating the birth of another gift of life. But who would have predicted how the story will end? They watched him grow from this precious little life barely able to breathe, to this adventurous little boy running down the hallway of the palace. The king's servants surely made it possible for him and his siblings to have everything that they would want. Surely they would have looked the other way when he ran afoul of all the family rules. And when the royal family attended Sabbath worship in the temple, it was the members who would walk up and gawk once again at the king and queen's third child, treating him as if this child were their very own. But who could have predicted how this story is going to end? As he grew up in his teen years, life was good. The king and queen surely continued to spoil him along with his siblings. If he wanted the BMW of the day, he got it. If he wanted bow and arrows to go and and hunt, he got it. If he wanted a new harp or a new string instrument, the DVD of the day, He got it. Everything was his as son of the king. 
But who could have predicted how this all was going to turn out? He entered young adulthood. Everything seemed to be stacked in his favor, but he seemed to be set as a spoiled little boy in his development. It seemed as though he grew his hair long just because he could. He was a mover and a shaker and obviously on the list of the nation's who's who. After all, this was the son of the king. Then there was the earth-shaking event that traumatized him for the rest of his life. His older half-brother plotted and then went on to ravage his sister. His father wasn't willing to step up to the plate and do anything about it. So he, the son, was going to take matters into his own hands. And he sent his servants there to murder his own brother. What an intriguing place that palace must have been. What a sinful place. But that's not the end of the story. Knowing his father would hear about the murder, the son fled as fast as he could, and after three years in exile, his father, on the advice of a trusted nephew, made up and forgave his son, and they reengaged one another in Jerusalem. The son restored, but no privileges in the court. His good looks, his admirable disposition made him popular with his nation's subjects, and day after day after day, this young man would sit at the entrance to the city. And there he would talk and get to know the people. When he stopped them, they listened. When he motioned for them to come over, they would come. And in their hearts, and to those along the way, and back at home with their families, they must have said, the king's son talked to me. He seemed from all appearances to be the consummate national politician of the day, getting to know each and every future subject. But who could have predicted how this story was going to turn out. One day his relationship with the people began to change. Drama entered the scene. Maybe it was part of growing up. Maybe a relationship. Maybe it was he figured he was unfairly treated by his father. But in any case, the sin of pride and the sin of deceit started to stir and well up in his heart until the very point where he sat at the gate and he said, my father is not worthy to be king. It doesn't take a leap in your mind to know what's going to happen next. 
the people began to hear this child, this son, this king's son, and they began to speak of rebellion. Drama entered the city. Can you imagine this? A night when he would sleep under his father's roof, on his father's bed, and during the day, talk about what his father was not? One day, a close advisor walked into the throne room. It's not going to be a pretty picture. He was fed up to hear with it all. This young kid was speaking against you, king, and you've got to do something about it. You've got a rotten apple in your kingdom. He's going around the gates telling lies about you. He's going around the gate trying to defame your name. He does not support or care for you anymore. And now, the story is slowly coming to an end. The king rises off his seat slowly. He walks over to the window and he looks out. With his very own eyes, he sees how a, a bunch of sheep surround his son, the shepherd. It doesn't take a, much of a leap for him to realize that his son is plotting against him. A look came over his face like you wouldn't believe. No one had ever seen it before in the palace. There were tears streaming down his eyes. And there was fire in his eyes. He knew what was coming next. It is as if when he lifted his arms, he was calling out to God, Why? 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 At that moment, everyone in the room could feel the sadness and wrath of the king. They waited for him all the time thinking, now what? We, by consent, uh, silent consensus, know what should take place. But what will be the king's decision? It became all too apparent in the palace that the son was acquiring too many followers and that rebellion was about to happen. The son presumes now, as he drives his father out of the palace, that he has the wealth, he has the respect, he has the army, he has the people, he has the power, and it's now all about me. And so he proceeds to anoint himself the king of Israel. But he must deal with his father. The old man and the young man were now on a collision course for a historic battle. Without going into the military tactics of the battle, two armies appear on the field, and the old man's army defeats the young man's army. And the young man flees on his horse. 
He races away as fast as he can possibly go. And in proceeding on, he catches his long, beautiful hair in the trees. And there he is, dangling in the wind by his hair. No way, no way to escape. The story is about to end sadly this morning. Hanging by his hair from the tree, he's discovered by his cousin. His cousin, loyal to the old king, looks up at the dangling sun. Perhaps the loyal cousin thought, what a waste. How could he have gone so wrong in life? Or, what shall I do now? In milliseconds, every electron in his mind blasting, he makes the decision to slowly pick up his dart gun. He blows one, two, and the king's son is dead, hanging by his hair in the tree. And yet, my brothers and sisters, this is not the end of the story. That cousin must go back to the king of Israel and tell him that his son is dead. The king victorious in, de- in battle now becomes decimated by death. And so he walks in and he says, your son has died. The story is ended for the boy. And the king cries out in spite of the gossip, in spite of the betrayal, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would to God that I might have died for you. Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. I really don't think that story is so unique to you or to me or to our culture. Over and over, accusations are made against people we know and even about ourselves that simply are not true. The result is the pain. The result is the disruption of our lives. How could such a little lie started on the lips of the king's son become such drama in the life of the kingdom of Israel? And this, after all our mothers have told us, sticks and stones will break your bones. But words can never hurt you. Whether it is me, you, our neighbors, we choose to spread gossip and lie about one another rather regularly. 
However, there is in fact a basis for not telling lies to, about our neighbor, for not betraying our neighbor, for not slandering our neighbor, for not hurting his or her reputation. This is the don't do it standard of God's eighth commandment. Were it not for the grace, mercy, and peace of Almighty God, we would not be forgiven. But his gift to us is so marvelous, isn't it? It is so marvelous that he would send his son, that his son might die for our sins. Most of us understand this commandment in the context about not giving false testimony in court, but there is so much more to this. It speaks the core relationship that we have with one another wherever we're at. I will speak well of you. I will defend your reputation. I will stand up and look in favor upon the events of your life. While my sinful self would love to do otherwise, it is God my Father and my Lord Jesus Christ that gives me the spirit to succeed. This commandment causes us to think about God's desire for us that we might live a truthful, honest, fair-minded, and upright life. But you know, I feel there's a far more important son and father story today, a more rich and satisfying story than David and Absalom. This son's father was forever kind, gentle, and loving. This son's father forgave a couple when they rebelled in the garden. This son's father forgave an ark builder when he had improprieties. This son's father even answered the prayer of a broken and a contrite heart king. This father is so kind and generous that he planned from the very beginning to include you in his history. Well, the Lord God carried out his plan in history in the cross for you. For it is there that we see God for you, God paying the price for our gossip and our betrayal and our lies about our neighbor. And his son, his only son, willing to lay down his life for you. What a different kind of father-son story than David and Absalom. It's the story that overshadows all other stories. It is the story of our salvation from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.